Complete stranger here today. I don't even know how to say his name. It looks Irish. Fion. Fion. It right. is Irish. It yeah. is Irish. <laughs> well, <laughs> but it's probably pronounced or something like completely <laughs> different from how it's spelled. <laughs> What's the spelling? So, so Fion. It is Fion. Fion. I, you know, Fion. I, so I sometimes if people have trouble with that, I, I say you can just like Finn, like Huckleberry Finn is also okay. That's like the anglicized yeah, yeah. version of it. Uh, no, let's not, let's way, not name but, you after no. a, a racist cancelled book. Let's just let's call you Fian in the right way. Anyway. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. I like I that. Most people break it into two enough. syllables, which doesn't sound quite right, but you're saying it well. All right, sweet. Well, like Fian. Hey, Fian. Fion or Fion or something like that. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, one syllable. That's pretty clear. All right. So. Yeah, I, I just we this is a complete mystery man. I've absolutely no idea um, who you are. You don't really know who I am, but we're, we're just going to yarn anyway, because um, I'm kind of curious about China at the moment and was wanting to get uh, some insight from people who are uh, someone who understands systems. And I could see from your profile, you you understand, you know, you understand our systems work. That seems pretty clear, you know, um, it, it, and 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 you look like a, a magician in your profile picture like you look like you're gonna pull something out of a hat or cut someone in half for me but you look completely different in the zoom <laughs> mm. and um you know and i uh yeah i just i just think somebody yeah somebody who's right across all that and doing all the that you're doing a lot of coaching stuff integral theory metabodin theory i'm seeing a lot of um you know uh really cool intersections with uh with the complexity space and i'm thinking ah since you're in china brother let's have a let's have let's have a look at that because um you know pretty much the future of what's going to happen uh to my continent here over the next decade or two is um going to depend how things fall there and i'd really really like to hear your thoughts on it um so yeah over to you like prop like proper introduce yourself that was rubbish <laughs> yeah well you know all introductions are you know we make them up as we go along so hey. um yeah i mean i'll be honest you know the china story the china phenomenon that is happening right now um takes a lot of my interest and a lot of my attention mm. um and i you know i watch it from multiple perspectives my wife is chinese um mm. i have two half chinese kids mm. um and, you know, I've been fascinated by China since I was a kid. Mm. Um, so, you know, I came, I came, I'm originally Irish, grew up in Southern Africa. Um, dad was a diplomat, all that, you know, family business and ended up. Just a normal, know, just a normal childhood, just the usual, yeah, yeah the usual story. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Traveling around the world. And, yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, ended up, ended up after studying in, in Canada for a while, ended up in China. And, um and it's been, it's been, you know, it's like this process of like when people ask you, where are you from? Right. And it's like, well, you know, most people have a relatively standard answer to that. You know, I grew up in this place or, you know, I, you know, I have this kind of a passport or, um, and I do, I have an Irish passport, but I spent most of my childhood in Africa, um, spelled, you know, much of my teenage years in Canada. Um, and I spent most of my adulthood in, in China, although, you know, all around the world. And so it's like, we talked about systems earlier, like what is the operating system that is within me? Mm. And yeah, I have, I have a bit of Irish in there because clearly I downloaded some of that from my parents when I was young. 
Um, I have certainly some African because that's, you know, the, 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 the environment where that, that sort of the childhood sort of absorbs from around us. Right? Mm. Um, there's, you know, clearly some, some North American Canadian, you know, I went to international schools, so a bit of American in there, a bit of Canadian, because that was the university I went to. Um, and then China, you know, where I've spent, you know, the last few years and um, sort of absorbed the culture here by integrating into, you know, marrying a local mm. um, and, and really kind of beginning to shed, to let go of kind of old patterns, old worldviews, old mm. ways of kind of understanding reality, you know, grew up Irish you know, Catholic, Christian, my mom was kind of born again, so kind of took on that piece. And, um, and then, you know, my dad was very logical, rational, you know, but agnostic, so kind of open to certain things. Mm. Um, and, and then, you know, I came out to this side of the world, and I realized, wow, like Chinese people see the world in a totally different way, right? Like everything that I've known to be true. And that was one of the interesting things about growing up internationally was, like you, you, you study history in Ireland or you study history in, in, in some African countries. And even within the African countries, depending on which international school you go to, you go to English international, American international, um, history is totally different. It's all yeah. story and it's made up by people and they seem like they're telling the truth until you read a different culture's history, which is like the indirect contrast to that. Mm. And mm. so that's been a lot of what's happened for me here in China is the narratives that I've been learning about China from outside China have been very... Uh, surface level, very mm. lacking in nuance, mm. uh, very one-sided, very um, kind of quite negative in in, in many ways. Mm. Most of the time, not always. So you have some time. pretty non-standard filters. Yeah, that are yeah, sort of hard to pin down to to one sort of thing. So I'd and be it, interested to see what uh, what kind of light runs through that. Yeah. So I mean, everywhere is complex, but China <laughs> feels to me more complex. Mm. than a lot of places um you know part of it comes down to the language the complexity of the language right like just characters and the length of the history right like the mm. only real you know as far as i'm aware of the kind of tribal um it, culture indigenous culture that goes back much further is the Abor aborigines from from australia right um but like the chinese history is thousands of years old people debate five thousand three thousand four thousand mm. whatever um but it does. It goes back thousands of years. And there are bits and parts and pieces of all of that that are still applicable in modern life, right? There's bits of Confucianism that are that are built into the way the government here operates. There's powers mm. and running through the society, right? The, the, the spaces are built, but built based on feng shui. Um, mm. there's, um, there's, there's Buddhist sort of uh, philosophical and religious thought, like in different places, in different parts of society. Mm. And, and to try and wrap your head around all of that, mm. right? It's, you could spend one lifetime going down the end of that lineage and still not have fully kind of mastered the mm. whole lineage in mm. any of those different areas. Did, so did, you, did you spend much time uh, with uh, the Chinese diaspora? communities in either Canada or Europe or, um, or Africa uh, when you were there? Uh, yeah, quite a lot. Um, I mean, this is, you know, I, like I was saying, different parts of me are from different places. Part mm. of me does seem very Chinese. Mm. Um, and and it, it helps being able to speak the language because you can mm. really connect on, on a different kind of vibrational frequency, right? Like it's mm. a different mm. way of, of, of being together. Mm. Um, and and so when I'm in Africa, you know, one of the things I did when I was younger is I, I filmed a documentary. I traveled from Southern Africa up to Northern Africa and sort of filmed different kind of Chinese diaspora or Chinese people in Africa. What are they doing in these different places? And, mm. and the, even just there, the diversity from country to country or city to city or town to town, you know, you get a lot of people from the Fujian province here in China that have gone out into the world and they've, they've, they've built, um, restaurants or they've built some sort of trade you know supermarkets mm. you know chains things like this um and and so but yet at the same time you know, even within africa there's diversity you go to ireland another type of diversity you go to canada like vancouver is it's overrun by chinese right one of the mm. reasons i went to university there in the first place was ubc um one of the main universities there is kind of you know university of british columbia but they also call it the university of a billion chinese you know ubc mm. right because it's like you know, I was in the business school and 
I think more than 50% were, were certainly more than 50% were Asian, but I think even, mm. you know, close to 50% were Chinese. Mm. So, you know, well, that's, a, it's, it's, a, it's another thing that, I mean, how interdependent and interwoven with so many industries, you know, worldwide. So, I mean, you, you find all over, you know, the Anglo world, you know, all of the, um, you know, the universities are taking a real hit now, right? You know, with COVID and um, <laughs> not yeah. getting that China money coming through there. Yeah. It's, um, yeah. yeah, I mean, they, they, there's uh, redundancies left, right and center. And um, yeah, they're really taking a big hit, the universities. I'd be interested to see where you think that's going to go too. How much education will change, which institutions will survive, etc. You don't have to do that now. It's in the wrong spot. But <laughs> I'm just flagging it for after. Yeah, sure, sure. Well, I'm happy to go into that space as well. I mean, education is a passion of mine. Yeah. Um, and uh, so happy to happy to yarn on that as well. Mm, mm. I, know, I know there's lots of opportunities now uh, coming out of you know, the way things are changing as well. But there's a lot of people who are just holding their breath and waiting for it to go back to normal too. Um, and that's, uh, yeah, and that, that's not really happening. You see a lot of unis that put forward their, their action plans now, like, right, this is, you know, this is our new normal action plan here it is and this is the plan for how we're going to respond this is how we're going to go into this new world now coming out the new normal on the other side you know um and then there's just a list of abstract nouns you know uh, integrity you know responsibility diversity you know um oh you know um anti-fragile you know let's just throw in some buzzwords you know <laughs> anyway it's really cool I, i've been reading them all i've been collecting them from different unis, I'm, I, I, I find it fun. Yeah. I'm going to make a collage of all the abstract nouns that represent the plans for all these institutions. Well, I mean, you know, plans are. It's plans a weird kind of Bayesian analysis to do. It's just like we'll throw a bunch of abstract nouns at the the wall and we'll see what sticks. You know, like like those abstract nouns that you're talking about here in China, they have a very specific twelve that they call the the. 12 core Chinese socialist values right. um, and, um, and, and plans. My gosh, did they do planning here, right? They have the five-year plans, but they also have like the 2025, 2035, 2030, 2050, 2049, right? Like they've got it all, all right. planned out. So the, and, the 500 year plans, is that a myth? <laughs> well, they certainly have a hundred year plan. I don't know about the year plan. Nice. Plan. Okay. Sweet. Yeah. 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 I, I haven't seen beyond hundred year. It wouldn't surprise me. But yeah. they haven't made it public yet if it exists. Sweet. Yeah. Well, the public probably doesn't exist yet to make it public too. So, <laughs> but it'll be nice to find out what that looks like. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I mean, we're, we're just our, our fates are so tied together, you know. Yeah. Um, oh my goodness. I mean, so you know, like. So right from the start, like so gold rush days in Australia, I mean, I really enjoy one thing I like about Melbourne is is the is the museum, the Chinese mm. museum in Chinatown, Melbourne is just um, God, it's an eye opener. It's just amazing. And it just really captures the, the spirit of the community here, um, which is quite unique. You know, as with all diasporas, there's a real, you know, a different flavor in the places where people land, yeah. you know, but um, a lot of the goldfield stuff what, and what what struck me and it's not really made explicit, but it's the um, it's the the governance and economy, like that that the mutual aid governance and mutual aid economy that they had that ensured that they were sort of healthier and better fed and <laughs> uh, cleaner, pretty much than all of the other prospectors. Because I mean, when everybody descended on the gold fields from every culture, even your Irish. Uh, mob there <laughs> everyone came they came as individuals or like brothers or the brothers oh the mcnulty brothers are did this is our claim over here and they're digging up anyway you know it was like that um at best you had brothers but usually i mean until one of them killed the other it, it was just every man for himself it was a mess they're sleeping in their own vomit in the mud you know <laughs> um killing each other shooting each other all these terrible things going on and um and then but the chinese they had like you know they were they had like they had organized all different roles you know 
uh, to meet immigrants off the boat and bring them in and okay so come here and this is where we get organized you can have a, a feed here we'll put you up here in this tent until you find your feet and um and here's your clan so you need to go to that clan over there for <laughs> you know so they they maintain clan uh, like clan groupings and clan governance and they made sure that they were looking out for each other they had like a you know that sort of sharing economy going on so that everybody had 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 what they needed and um i don't know it was it was pretty amazing you know it, it was it was a governance model that you could see um coming through that sort of made them very effective in the gold fields so effective that that many of them had to be sort of shot um <laughs> by the other people that were there were not really happy <laughs> about that going on um and then my people were blamed for eating them when someone started asking where, where did all the chinese go so oh, the um the aborigines ate them. the aborigines ate them nothing to do with us nothing to see here <laughs> continue on um yeah so that they, and then from there it's like i don't know let's jump forward a little bit um you know all of a sudden so australia with all its prosperity and you know, it enjoyed several decades of being a worker's paradise and all this sort of thing. It was basically off the back of, of China desperately needing, desperately needing all of the things that we've got under our ground here, you know? And so basically Australia's entire economy has just been coasting on that. You know, we haven't really developed much or, or done anything or worked particularly hard or um, gone to school much or anything in Australia. It's just been like, how's it going, mate? put another shrimp on the bar. I don't know what they say, all that sort of stuff. You know, you, you go to the beach and do some body surfing or something and you ride a quad bike on the dunes and, and then you drink a lot of beer and I don't know, all that stuff in Australia. And, um, you know, it's just pretty much been coasting. Um, while China pretty much burnt itself to, <laughs> to, you know, to be able to put itself in a position where no boxer rebellions were needed anymore ever again where, where someone's you know navy wouldn't come in and just completely wreck the joint so um there we are and china's kind of like god you're rude i tell you what we're gonna i'm gonna no no you know belt and road you're not in it we're, we're gonna look for our iron ore elsewhere we don't want your coal australia we're looking elsewhere as soon as we can secure another decent reliable source of that then you're out and I guess that's when Australia is pretty much just going to, um, I don't know, implode. There's a lot of people here who um, are not going to be very happy with what their life looks like <laughs> when China goes elsewhere. Anyway, that's that's sort of what I'm thinking. But what are you seeing for the future there? So, I mean, not just I mean, I'm just I'm being very local in my view. I'm just looking at this China Australia relation. But then also, if you could sort of map the landscape a bit globally, and oh, I go into space too with the satellites, sure, with the, sure. with the claws. China is really going into space. The satellites with the, claw, with the claws, because <laughs> that's another thing. You know, when 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 people's Zoom meetings don't work anymore because there's a big chunk of metal falling out of the sky, <laughs> then um, yeah, I want to know about that too. So bring it, bring it all. I want the whole picture. Oof. Are you um, allowed to? That's the other thing. Is someone yeah. going to like? No, am I going to see someone good come question. through that door I, and shoot you in the back so, of the head? So, so the, uh, the, uh, the the Zoom the Zoom recording that is happening right now. What what is being recorded and what has been allowed to say? And um, you know, that's I'll start there actually because a lot of people ask me that. You know, like yeah. oh, like you have to sense you have to censor yourself, and um, and I think a lot of people in China feel like they do have to censor themselves. Hmm. I personally don't feel like I have to censor myself 95% mm. of mm. the time because for the most part I understand why they're doing things the way they're doing them here. I don't mm. necessarily agree with everything but I respect that that's the way that they've chosen to do them yeah. here based on their context and their history and their all of that right. Well it has its um, it has its um, strengths too. Yeah. Like oh, as sure. a parent, I wish I could say to my kids, "Sorry, kids, you can only have three hours of video games a week." The government says, right. yeah. that, and that would be awesome. Yeah. It would yeah. take a lot yeah. of stress so, off me. Exactly. It's 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 a different form of extreme in a different direction, right? Yeah. And 
Um, and there are benefits to each type of extreme, right? Like we love our freedom in the West, right? And in China, it's like, well, that's not necessarily what's as important. It's like, mm. we're, we were very, very poor very recently and yeah. we wanna not be poor. So let's focus on prosperity and getting rich. And yeah. that's what the focus has been really for the last yeah. few decades. Um, and now this new crackdown that's happening is really just a new iteration of that, of saying, well, I, wait, a, wait a minute. We did say that some people could get rich and others, you know, might be a bit lagging, but that's happened too much now. So let's slow that down a little bit. Let's right. move the, the pyramid of, you know, rich people at the top and uh, let's make an olive-shaped society, right? Where, yeah, there's still people that are richer at the top, but there's less people that are poorer at the bottom. And most people are in the middle, right? Nice. Um, and so they're, you know, they're, they're saying all these tech uh, I do, I'm sorry, I just translated that into Australian for people. Um, mango, <laughs> mango seed, mango seed shape. <laughs> Mango right, seed chip. There you go. Um, and uh, and so you know, from that perspective, I don't feel like I have to self-censor because I I, I see it as a perspective, mm. a way to do things, right? Mm. That is valid, right? It mm. might not necessarily be uh, you know along with my values or Western values or you know whatever values are out there, but it's according to the values that are here mm. based on the way that they run the country here. Mm. And for the most part, and this is the part that I think gets lost in translation in the West mm. is. Chinese people are in by by far, and you can look at the statistics behind this, and they're not false statistics because yeah. people have verified and double checked and all that. Yeah. Chinese people are very happy with their government, you know, like yeah. happier than any other nation on earth, right? Yeah. Like it's in the 90s all the time for like almost everything. Yeah. And people from the West go like, like, how is that possible? Like, how could that be true? Because like they don't have the same sort of freedoms that we have, you know, whether that's mm. freedom of speech or being able to criticize their government or being able mm. to criticize the press or, and it's like, well that's what's important to you that's not necessarily what's important to them you know mm. they they want to have you know their parents were starving or you know like mm. my, my my wife's grandma you know like mm. a, a few of her siblings died of starvation right yeah so it's like you can imagine the kind of cultural trauma that comes through from that mm. right mm. and to today where it's like you know money is very yeah. important in well it's a bit uh, it's a bit it's a bit um more impressive than that you know so i, I mean i guess in the states and in Australia, it's like, you know, it's, oh, it's won by like 52% of people voted for him. It's, it's a landslide victory. <laughs> you know, it's a, um, it's a very different distribution uh, you, you see in China, just in terms of, you know, you know, how thrilled, uh, how big the majority is that's thrilled. Is a, <laughs> I mean, but the people at the, the tails of that distribution are, are, are like a, a bit more miserable than I mean, you know, that's an intensely miserable place to be. Um, is <laughs> if you're not happy with the city, there's, you've got some pretty intense reasons not to be. So, um, I mean, I know where I want to be on the bell curve. You must be in a good spot on it. Is your social credits doing? You must have heaps. You doing well? <laughs> so yeah, but I mean, even just looking at the Australia. If you mention social credits, do you lose like two? Not if you say good things about it, right? Ah, good. All right. Well, tell me the good things. Yeah. So, so, so the whole social credit system has its advantages. Um, and uh, plus one point right there. Yes. Hey. Um, so, uh, yeah, kind of looking at the Australia-China relationship. Not, not so long ago, I did a did a presentation for the I think it was the Australia-China Business Council, something like that, um, to give you know Australian businesses and, and ideas to like how do you understand China a little bit better. How can you navigate those waters? And you know, one of the things that 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 seems to be coming true, and this is becoming more and more true over time, is that Chinese people, and this is of course a generalization, but generalizations are sometimes useful. Um, Chinese people in general, uh, you know, are becoming more nationalistic. Mm. And so, the more that you point fingers at China or criticize China or say bad things about China. It's of course the government's not going to be happy, but the people aren't going to be happy, and and that's what I think gets missed in a lot of the Western media is they think oh you know we we can't criticize China because then we get tariffs laid down on us yeah right it's, it's like, like basic that's, psychology that's part of it any right? human the other being thing that happens, <laughs> you criticize the thing that happens, they're not going to like it is, yeah. is Chinese people say oh you know that country is criticizing us we don't want to go to university there right? mm. it's like ah oh, interesting you know. And so there's there's you know various research behind this and 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 that shows how this is shifting and how it's changing and mm -hmm. how you know Chinese people are more and more aware of what other people are saying about them. Mm. But it's it's kind of a bit of a you know it's 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 a, it's a challenging 
narrative to kind of get around because in the West, or let's say outside of China, which means say in the West, outside of China, it's hard to understand what's going on in China. Mm. So we're going to make value judgments, right? Based on what we understand, based on, you know, what makes sense to us. Um, but because there's little understanding of the way that China actually operates, we're going to make value judgments that are very inaccurate. And mm. those value judgments then when they turn into communication come across, you know, from a Chinese perspective, many times, you know, aggressively or, yeah. or, you know, disrespectfully. Oh, rude. Or, you know, just, just, just rude. Plain rude. <laughs> rude. Oh, Ignorant. Yeah. yeah. Look, um, half of us over here are just cringing half the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, when we see the people who are supposedly representing us. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, so, yeah. so, so from that perspective, like you were saying, kind of the whole, the way that Australia has developed and what the economy is based on. Mm. And this is more and more true for, you know, actually most countries in the world right now that, you know, have China as their largest trading partner, um, that China matters to you, yeah. whether you like it or not. Yeah, <laughs> and 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 it's it's going to affect your livelihoods the way that you yeah. interact with China. So yeah. you can you can stay in your you know high horse or ivory tower, what we want to call it, and and point fingers and you know talk about doing things different ways and say yeah. what they should be doing. Um, but if that's going to affect your livelihood, you might want to think twice before mm. you do that, and think about you know how can I be more aware of you know how they do things and not immediately yeah. jump to conclusions that you think you have your figured out because I, mm, I've been here yeah. you know, for over a decade and trying to figure it out and I don't have it figured out, but yeah. I speak the language and I'm married to a Chinese person and, yeah. you know, and I study China, like this is one of my passions mm. and I don't have it figured out, right? Like hands up in the air, I am close to clueless, right? Like the more yeah. you know, the more you realize you actually don't know. Mm. And, and so when I hear people kind of making criticisms or, or value judgments about China, I'm kind of like, you know, like uh, you have your freedom to do that, but mm. is that going to serve you? Mm. Is that actually going to help you to do that? Is that in the greater um, good of you or your family or your country or your mm. business or, mm. or the world even, right? Yeah. And this is where, you know, I kind of take a few steps back and I look at it from a cultural trauma perspective and try to get an understanding of how have global dynamics come to be the way that they are? You know, I'm, I'm originally Irish, so, you know, I can kind of say, well, I wasn't one of those colonial powers. In fact, the English came in and like, you know, ripped us to shreds. And so mm. therefore, you know, you know, my shirt is clean. I don't have any blood on it except my own. Mm. Um, but the reality is that, you know, Ireland being part of Europe has profited on the fact that Europe has been able to grow based on the fact that, you know, colonialization happened and lots of resources got stolen and, um, and it came to be that now, you know, the Western world, the developed world is further ahead yeah. um, in terms of, you know, technology, economy, you know, all that kind of stuff, you know, development as it's usually termed. And so, you know, I, I had a somewhat unique opportunity to go out to Africa and, you know, grow up in, in, in the places where colonialism, like Mozambique is an example, right? The Portuguese mm. came in and they did what they wanted and, you know, it, but each country is a bit different in Africa, right? Like the Portuguese were different. They integrated mm. more. So you get a lot mm. more mixed people in Mozambique than you do in, in other African countries, right? Um, so there's these different cultures that came through. But if we look at it from a global perspective over time, you know, the wounds of colonialism are nowhere near healed. The wounds of slavery are nowhere near healed, right? Yeah. Those are still very much present in everyday modern life, right? Um, you know, we, you see it in, 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 uh, in America right now as kind of an epicenter where a lot of this stuff is happening. Yeah. If, if we look at it from the Chinese perspective, you know, there was the opium wars, there was the century of humiliation, you know, where basically, you know, the, yeah. the British came in and they tried to take control. Oh, they just a horrendous, apart. just extraction, right. just forever, like yeah. a, of labor, people, resources, everything. It was awful. You know, it yeah. was, uh, and you know, so Australia had China that way and, US had China that way. I was talking to a fellow from um, South Africa yesterday, though, and we agreed that um, that Africa now is China's China. <laughs> if that makes any sense, because <laughs> you know, you if know, you rise, you're gonna have to um, you're gonna have to kick down at somebody. Well, you you, you need you need you need to outsource your entropy to somewhere. You need to. 
you know, I mean, this is a conversation that I love having because it's, there's a lot of nuance in there, right? It's very yeah. easy to take old kind of historical things that happened and put those frames on new events and say, yeah. this is what's happening. And yeah. it's like, well, we can make up stories that there are similarities yeah. between I mean, there are through lines. That, you know, <laughs> yeah. quite elegant and, and aesthetically yeah. pleasing, yeah. but it, yeah, yeah. But and yeah. so, so from from history, from history repeats, but only in the sense of like how bad food repeats. Like that <laughs> we can we can keep telling lots of stories about it, and um, you know, so so within China, there's this kind of this cultural trauma that exists around mm. we were humiliated, right, mm. and we do not want to be humiliated again. Yeah, fair um, and 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 so we are going to do our best to grow to a place of strength and power mm. so that nobody can come in and humiliate us the way that we were humiliated before yeah and that growth of power of strength is taken from a western perspective and seen as kind of like a because we project right both as individuals yeah. and as societies as a western society that has gone out in the world and dominated right we project, oh, China's now going to come and do the same because we see that when we're growing power and we're growing our military and we're doing all this, that's because we're going out and we're trying to sort of take over mm. the world because mm. that's what we've done many, many times in the past. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's not the case. It's different, right? Now, what is it exactly? I can't tell you. I don't mm. know anyone who can express mm. that because the future mm. is yet to happen. Mm. And these are evolving dynamics and it's emerging. Right. Mm. And so as you see that different countries like how Australia reacts to China's rise is going to change the way that China reacts to the rest mm. of the world. Mm. Right. So like if you if you if you kick a dog when it's young, it becomes a violent dog. Right. Yeah. You know, if you if you if you if you shoot at a dragon, you know, as it's trying to sort of learn how to fly, it might not be the most you know happy, loving yeah. dragon. It might be if you had been, you know, non-critical well, if you're know, living within a, a framework you're living within a global system that that has absolutely no incentives built into it for respecting uh self the self-determination of others um then the only way i mean in order to you you've got to go by orders of magnitude beyond where you need to go just to try and at, like you know protect your own self-determination your own sovereignty it's um it's a hell of a thing i mean you've got to be you got to be the meanest kid. It's like uh, you know going into prison and you've got to pick a fight with the biggest dude and you've got to beat him. Otherwise, you know you're anybody's, and that's uh, pretty much the world, maybe. I mean, in many ways, that that is still the reality of mm. the stage of development that we are as a species. Yeah. Um, we, we, you know, we, we, I imagine I project that we will look back in the future and see, you know, this whole time period is like, wow, like we were so primitive and what the hell were we doing to each other? And yeah. just the same way that we look back now at slavery and colonialism and be like, oh my God, that was terrible. And, you know, mm. like, how could that ever have happened? It's like, at the time in that context, that was what made sense to those people in those positions that, you know, wanted those things. And and they didn't have history to look back on this history mm. they had their history right but as we're evolving as a species and we're now kind of looking forwards into the future you know there are there are aspects that and this is where i actually do find the integral or the developmental or the meta modern you know those ah. catchphrase models kind of useful in this sense in that they they give a little bit of an understanding of how how development tends to happen right mm. how it you know if we track over time you know what actually seem to be some of the trends that tend to those patterns that tend to reoccur you were talking about like history kind of repeating itself mm. like what are some of the the tendencies that we move towards um and in that way you know we 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 see that individual development and collective development go hand in hand right mm. there's this kind you know, the individuals within a collective develop to a certain point of development and there's like a tipping point or a leading edge or something there that happens that now the collective pops into this new way of being together and and there's a there's an entirely new paradigm for the way that society operates. Yeah. And and that's that seems to be true, right, in every culture across the world, that there's these kind of 
these, these ways in which the culture develops and then it hits a tipping point where there's enough people that have developed in a new way that they change the paradigm of the way that that culture operates. Yeah. And what's, what's interesting now is that for the first time really in history, we're, we're starting to see that on a global scale and we're starting to see how humanity is developing, not just like individual you know, clans or collectives or tribes or nations. It's like, as a, as a species, how are we actually developing? Mm. And, and the, the, the real reality of it is that most of the world is still what we would call developing, right? The developing mm. countries type, you know, like not everyone has clean water and food to eat on the table and the basic necessities that we would call them in the Western world are not met in, mm. For, for, for actually, you know, the majority of the world's population, right? Mm. Like 15% of the world lives in the developed world, right? Mm. 85% lives in the developing world. Yeah. And yet, but, but people are still living, living under the assumption that that's how life has been for most of, you know, the last million years right. for human beings. And that now, you know, some superior people, are, you know, they, they had an enlightenment or an age, age of reason and, and boom, they're doing, they're doing well all of a sudden. They're developed developing and the rest who are living in the shit they're just not developed yet and that, that's it's just not the truth you know right it's just right. A, a a few people that gathered a whole bunch of stuff together for themselves and smash people down into the dirt in the worst and most horrendous way of life that's ever existed in creation um right. it, it's never been like that before <laughs> and it's you know most people are really suffering under the yoke of that and um you know, I, I can't blame any group of people who wants to try and claw their way up out of it by any means possible. But you know that it's 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 the it's the um, it's the only problem with integral theory. I think it rates, you know, it's it it, it you know it, it respects it all all the different stages. But I think it rates it rates the Enlightenment just a a, <laughs> a little more than than it should be. It's quite barbaric, you know. When those enlightened people arise here, and it was only two centuries ago. You know, when they arrived here, they, they were like just just covered in sores and pus and, and vomiting blood up onto the beach. And, they, they, you know, they're making these horrible little towns and they didn't even have sanitation yet. They were throwing their shit in the street. It was, it was quite disgusting. It's not like they arrived with, I mean, their medicine was, you know what their medicine was? You know, bloodletting. You know, it's just like, oh, he's got leprosy. Well, let's just nick his forearm and he can bleed into a bowl for a minute to let the bad spirits out. It's not exactly <laughs> the pinnacle of human development, um, you know, and pretty much all of the technology that developed was from, you know, plundering different ideas from various other places in the world, you know, like textile, you know, manufacturer technologies from India, food technologies from the Americas and et cetera, et cetera. And these are the combinatorials that were sort of, plundered and thrown together to create this technology that we enjoy now um that didn't arise out of an enlightenment it arose out of just the buggeration of the world it 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 arose out of yeah i mean you know china saw the arrival of that advanced civilization i mean an advanced navy well not really an advanced navy but a bloody had a, big had a powerful navy a big navy you know, and then that's it by right of having a big Navy where most of the sailors were dying of scurvy and bloody pox and syphilis. I mean, I tell you what, <laughs> horrendous amounts of syphilis um, by virtue of that, just having a big pile of floating things with sick people on it. That's bigger than your big pile of floating things. Well, there we go. We're going to take that place. And, you know, really, I can't blame people for holding their nose a bit and just going, oh, God, these people are disgusting. All right, we'll hang in there for a bit, but yeah, we're going to have to um, build a whole heap of ghost cities and <laughs> make some really fast trains and get on top of this. And some <laughs> islands. We're going to make some islands. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah but, how's that for a part of history? That, it's <laughs> Watching that from the inside, right? Watching the development. You know, I've, I've only really been here most of the time since 2008, so it hasn't been that long, but I've gotten to watch a stretch. And like back in 2008, there were, there were no high-speed trains. And now you have like over 25,000 kilometers of high-speed rail and yeah. you can travel, you know, between cities, you know, some cities faster than you can fly there. Uh, you know, these trains go 350 kilometers an hour. They're like the next biggest, you know, railway system in the world with high-speed trains is in Spain. And they have like just, 
you know, a few thousand kilometers of it. It, it helps not to have to win bilateral support for infrastructure. <laughs> you know, there, there are advantages to certain yeah. ways that you can operate and you can choose to do things and you can do them fast. Yeah. And, um, you know, that is, that is by virtue that the way in which decisions are made here and, mm. and, you know, we can, we can judge that from a specific perspective, you know, but, you know, I think COVID has been an, an interesting example, right? Like I'm, I'm here in Shanghai and, you know, relatively Shanghai never got hit by COVID, right? Mm. There, there's been, I, you know, don't quote me on this, but I think less than a thousand cases in a city of 24 million since COVID started, right? Mm. And there are cities in China that have millions of people and have literally had zero cases, mm. right? They have somehow been able to contain this thing in a way that is unseen in the rest of the world. Is and it because of a better standard of living? Like, um... Well, there's many, many factors. Mm. And it's, I don't think it's one singular, singular thing. A few of those factors are, you know, one, just the collective nature of the way in which people, you know, mm. operate here. It's, mm. there's, this, there's this kind of responsibility to society that, you know, right. I... I I don't want to go and do something that is going to endanger the life of someone else. Mm. And, and that is kind of, you know, kind of like a, an obvious thing, but in the West, we tend to value freedom above that. Right. It's mm. kind of like, I'd prefer to be able to go and do what I want. Mm. And if someone else, you know, dies because of that, well, you know, that's unfortunate, but I still want my freedom. Mm. And in China, there's kind of this underlying sort of like, you know, safety and security are more important. Yeah. Let's make sure that we're safe and secure. So just well, kind of you, you don't need to do a very complex analysis of evolutionary fitness surfaces and stuff there to see that there are some selective pressures at work in the world <laughs> at the moment towards uh, more collective sort of forms forms of uh, social organization. I guess, eh? So, so that's that's one factor, but you know, I mean, there's there's other countries that have collective cultures. So China is not the only one. Um, there's also the fact that you know China had the SARS epidemic, you know, not so long ago, yeah. and they they found a way to be able to get that under control. Mm. So in essence, they were prepared for this. They yeah. they already had something like it. So like even in the hospitals here, there's like a specific part of the hospital where they can kind of block it off very easily, and you can go in a separate door. And you can get tested without going in the main doors of the hospital and infecting everyone just because you want to go and get COVID tests, right? So they mm. had that built into the system here. So they were able to do that stuff very fast. Um, but also just the speed at which they do things here, right? I don't know if you heard about the, the, the hospitals that were built in 10 days in Wuhan, right? Mm. Like that's just like, yeah, it doesn't even make sense from a, from a non-Chinese perspective yeah. to build a hospital in 10 days. Like it takes 20 years to build a hospital in other places. Um, and so, so that, in addition to the fact that when, when there is something that the government here says, we are going to do this, people listen and mm. they do it. And, you know, from a, from a, a you know, a Western perspective, or I, I don't even like the term Western because it's too big and it's too broad and there's too many countries within it and too many cultures, yeah, yeah. but from, you know, from that kind of, you know, let's you could do, kind of yeah. electoral democratic, you know, type system Weird. where people are have their freedom West right? educated industrial as rich democratic and any yeah, any those, of those letters yeah. will do yeah. so those those kinds of distinctions right yeah um liberal it, it, it's hard to understand that <laughs> the chinese people trust their government right mm. so when the government says everyone should stay indoors for the next three weeks people are like that's probably a good idea let's do it right you right. know when that happens in the west and everyone says you know like no, we don't want to do that. Or yeah. are you trying to lie to us? Or do we really need to do that? Or, yeah. you know, I read some research on the internet that says that actually, if you don't wear a mask, it's actually the same effectiveness as wearing a mask. So I'm just not going to wear a mask, right? Mm. Whereas from the Chinese government says, wear a mask, it's it's a good thing to do. You know, it's it's really, you know, going to help slow the virus down. And also make sure that you don't, you know, go outside mm. and, you know, you stay for this period of time. Everyone does it. Mm. There's no kind of like, I don't want to do that. You know, I don't think that's a good idea. I don't think and I guess no hurt feelings when, when, you know, if someone says, well, you're not essential. You're, you're a non-essential <laughs> well, worker. Shut up. Well, that's, that, <laughs> it's that's, like, yeah, you know, yeah, probably, yeah, probably not that essential. Yeah. It's, 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 it's just a very different system here. And, mm. and, and part of what, you know, fascinates me about China is, what you have seen over the last three decades here and the way that it's evolved, the way that it's changed, the way that it's shifted, 
there's interesting research around this as well, but like the speed of change in China is faster than the speed of change everywhere else. Right now, the speed of change on planet Earth is pretty fast, but it's mm. about five times faster in China than most places and 10 times faster than a lot of places. Mm. And it's like, well, how do you make sense of that, right? Where it's like technology and all this stuff that you know we're trying to make sense of and the exponential nature of technology is like, that's already hard to get your head around. But if that's accelerated you know, by a magnitude, right? Mm. How do you keep track with what's happening in China? And that's the thing where I think a lot of distinctions that are, you know, said about China, the way it operates, all of that are, you know, may have been somewhat true at some point in the, in the near past, right? Like, you know, 10 years ago, even maybe even five years ago, but they're not true anymore. And mm. now if you're still saying that, it's just saying it because you're ignorant that that's not actually the way that it is. But I also understand why you're ignorant because you haven't been exposed to any media that's been telling you any different. So how could you know, right? Mm. And, and so from that perspective, you know, when I look at the way that things happen here, it really, it's like living on a different planet, right? It's like mm. living in a different world. Like it's a different ecosystem here. It's a different internet, right? Like it's a separate internet almost, right? We, yeah. have, different, we have different apps, we have different websites, we have different, you know, everything is different. And so because of that, and because of the population in China, and because decisions can be made fast, mm. the whole ecosystem evolves in a very different way. And, and even just trying to wrap your head around that and make sense of it, which I continue to try to do, the, the conclusions are changing so fast that it's like, mm. you know, I can tell you this, but we might have this conversation in a week and a new policy has come out here in China, like you've just seen some of those ones about gaming and education. Yeah, yeah. Crackdowns, and it's like actually, you know, that thing that I said last week—that's actually outdated now. There's actually yeah. a new, more in nuanced perspective that would be useful for you to look at the situation with. Well, maybe, yeah, maybe someone would hear this conversation there, and they'd hear you mention the ex exponential function back there, and then they kind of look that up, and then, um, and then sort of redo the 500-year plan. Uh, just run those numbers again with the exponential function in there, and they go, "Oh, holy crap!" that's no good all right if we're at uh 2.3 percent growth for uh, you know energy use uh on average around the world then in two and a half thousand years how much energy over two and a half thousand years the entire galaxy every sun in the entire galaxy oh my goodness all right <laughs> so um solar panels probably aren't going to be enough then we're gonna have to all right, we need a new lab for zero point energy. We need to dig that one back up again because that's the only way through <laughs> and still have a toaster because uh, it's either no toasters or the entire galaxy uh, plugged in. Yeah, <laughs> to run them. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, you know, that's that's one area where the whole world is really, you know, needs to be on the same page when it comes to global warming or some yeah. of these global challenges, right? Yeah. Where it's like you need to... Well, China's I mean, leading, China. leading in a lot of those programs at the moment. And, yeah. you know, I, there's, there's, a, I, there's a little interesting story I'd like to tell you about that. Yeah. Um, there's this woman named Peggy Liu who has done phenomenal work. Liu, that's um, my favorite name. <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's, it's a good opera there, Madame Butterfly, mm. there's a name in there. And also the, my, the, my Chinese medicine dude down the road, my, mm. uh, Sifu, what's his name? Yeah. Liu. Yeah, he's Liu. <laughs> Liu yeah. yeah, Master Liu. Um, he's cool. So, so Peggy, Peggy Liu, she's this, she's kind of, uh, let's say, she's American Chinese, right? Like grew up in the States, you know, went mm. to MIT. Um, but she's, you know, spent a lot of her career, you know, after she was in Silicon Valley, she left, she went over here to China. And, you know, one of the things she did is she started this, you know, this whole movement of the joint US-China collaboration on clean energy. And this was like back in 2008, 2009. And at the time, you know, the, the world leaders in renewable energy were like the US or the Nordic countries, or, you know, and China was like zero, like they, you know, hadn't really figured out and they were still mostly using coal and, you know, because they needed to grow. And, and she came in and she, she basically said, oh, wait a minute, you know, if we look at the speed at which China is developing, and we see what has happened with the West in terms of energy consumption and pollution and all of that. If China becomes a developed country, the way that the rest of the world is developed, the world is screwed, right? <laughs> we, are, we are just going to have immense problems on a global scale. And, and so she figured out that, you know, 
if we actually want to make our planet sustainable, if China continues to grow, we're going to have to find a way to make China sustainable. And so she talked about this concept of having like a green China, like an ecological civilization. And she started to bring in some of like the world's leaders in things like the smart, smart cities, smart grids, you know, like e how can we be ecologically friendly as, mm -hmm. as a civilization? How Internet can we do things? Yeah, yeah all, all, of the, all of these different things that connect together that are necessary for us to become, you know, if we're at that level of development to be sustainable as, mm -hmm. as a society. And so, you know, her work got picked up by um, Thomas Friedman, who writes for the New York Times mm -hmm. and you know, at that time, you know, the New York Times was still readily available in China. And so what happened was some Chinese magazine picked up this story where, you know, Peggy was talking about this, this China that needs to be green, a green China that needs a mm. dream of like, you know, being a, a future green civilization. And what happened then at that point was the, you know, Xi Jinping wasn't in power yet, right? So, you know, Peggy Liu was talking about this, you know, China dream, green civilization. How can we make China green civilization? Because the planet needs it because China can't operate the way that current developed countries are operating or the mm. world is screwed, right? And so what she did was she was sharing this, you know, uh, ideas about how we, can, how we can create sustainable, how we can create a sustainable green China. And mm. this magazine picked it up. And eventually this kind of story got popular in China. And when, when Xi Jinping came into power, he, you know, I'm sure there were other things involved in there, but she was certainly a significant factor. He used the term China dream as sort of like the main thing that he talked about going forwards. Mm. And in the last decade, you know, Peggy has been able to train over a thousand Chinese officials, mayors and all these kind of people in ecological civilization. Right. And now China is the leader in pretty much every renewable energy from mm. solar panel wind to, you know, to nuclear to was that uh, actually, one of the drivers, one of the drivers for uh, winding back uh, rare earth metal production as well? Uh, just because so, of, you know, all the radioactive waste that that produces when you refine it and the, like, you know, really horrendous destruction that it causes to mine it. It's just, I'm only asking because it impacts us pretty horrendously here because um, cause now they're opening up rare earth metal mines on Aboriginal land and, um, and looking to store all that waste here too. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm not an expert in the field, so I don't have a specific answer for you in that space. Mm. Um, but one of the things that seems clear to me is, you know, China is, they're going in a different trajectory than mm. everywhere else, right? Mm. They are speeding towards um, this kind of like technologically integrated green society in a way that we don't see anywhere else on the planet, right? They're mm. not even, not even close. There are more smart cities in China than the rest of the world combined. Right? Yeah. Um, th these kind of fast trains, like I said, they started from 2008, you know, you know, they're electric trains, right? They run on, you know, it's still mostly coal, but they're mm -hmm. shifting that very quickly, right? And, and they've been able to build this out in the last decade, right? Where China's become the world leader in all these different spaces. And, you know, it's like, well, that's interesting, you know, coming from a place that, you know, the West terms is still like a developing country, you mm -hmm. know, like how is this developing country leading the world in actually what the world needs to change right it's like that's interesting what is it about the systems that exist in other places that aren't allowing us to do that mm. and this is where you know inevitably we kind of do come back to the political system and the way mm. that things are operating here and and there's this um this dogmatic view in the west um that you know, the one person, one vote system is like the Holy Grail. It's like mm. the only way to go. It's like, if you're not doing that, you're wrong, right? Mm. Like that is right and good and, you know, ethical and everything mm. else is not. And, and I'm not convinced of that, right? I, the, well, I know you're into game, the game B community. So you'd be, you'd be right across um, liquid democracy and all that sort of stuff. Right, right. So, so <laughs> yeah. you know, there's, is we, on one end of the spectrum, we have like direct democracy, which is like a mm. pure form of like everyone gets to choose everything, right? And, mm. you know, places like Switzerland, we're not too far away from that. It's not quite that, of course, but it's, 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 it's certainly more direct than most democracies, certainly. A lot of admin more. hours in that. Yeah. <laughs> fancy. You know? and, and, and so one of the interesting things about China, and I, you know, I can't, it's a, quite complex, so I can't go into all the detail right now, but the kind of the meritocratic system of getting people into power that one have proven themselves and two are experts in the field that they're actually 
running, right? Mm. Um, you know, doesn't it make sense to have people making decisions about things that know what they're talking about, right? Like that kind of, for me, makes sense. Mm. But in the West, it's kind of like this, it's, it's just a popularity contest. It's like, well, who likes who, therefore who gets to choose things? And it's like, well, the people who are choosing who they like, do they know about the decisions that need to be made? And if mm. not, why are they making the decision about who comes into power to make decisions about things that they don't understand either? Yeah. So it was like the blind leading the blind kind of thing, you know? Mm. And, and here in China, you know, there's, they, they say it's kind of like democracy at the bottom. So you get a, a lot of kind of like people choosing, you know, at like district level or it's like smaller levels of government. But oh, as right. you go higher and higher, as you go higher and higher into the government, it's, it's more and more narrative. Yeah, yeah. It becomes more like, what have you actually done? You know, what yeah. expertise do you have? Well, you that's, so that's why sometimes you see stupid decisions being made at the local level there. Like. <laughs> well, you know, it's... it's Like, you know, man, ghost, about... ghost cities. Those, Go those cities just so that just so that you know your your, your local officer can show that he's like you know he's yeah. hitting his targets yeah. he's like oh man look we've grown yeah yeah you know, on, on paper it looks awesome but there's no yeah, one there broke. except for there's the villagers no who were there before who now are employed full-time just to keep sweeping oh. the place <laughs> <laughs> i know which which end of the bell curve they're on so so uh, so you know the 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 disadvantages of you know every every system has it, uh, its advantages and its disadvantages yeah, yeah. and 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 the thing that you know with no free that, lunch you know no free lunch right yeah the yeah, thing that i you know, you know I, I try to get across to people is that it's not like that's the right answer either right yeah. it's just that let's not pretend that we have the right answer because yeah, yeah. we don't right it's like <laughs> clearly there are things in every society yeah. that are not optimal well if you increased you know, meritocracy at the national level then you're gonna, you know, <laughs> you're gonna have a decrease of that at the local level. You're gonna, you're gonna have a a, a surplus of idiots uh, <laughs> in your village. Yeah. So you know, there's 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 all different systems out there, and you know, different systems are useful in different contexts. And and this is one of the things that you know I think gets overlooked when we talk about spreading democracy around the world. You know, like I grew up in Africa, and it's like, well, you know there are certain things that certain people can make certain decisions about that mm. are wise decisions and certain things that certain people you know shouldn't be making decisions about yeah and 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 for you to go into a country and tell that country that you should be democratic because in your country back wherever you are over the seas on that place mm. your values you know suit that kind of a system mm. but you go over to another country the same way that we did as missionaries and as colonists and are now continuing to do with democracy and tell them that this is the way that your country needs to run right mm. without actually questioning is that according to their values is that actually what's most important to them right like like in in the west we love freedom right and you know freedom is you know freedom of speech freedom of choosing mm. your leader freedom of whatever right and in china as a kind of an other end of the spectrum type thing it's like well you know, we care about safety and security and, you know, actually having enough money so that we can, you know, survive and, and that kind of thing. And that's more important. So if the government's taking care of that, we're happy, right? Mm. And we don't need to choose who's running all that. In fact, we don't even want to be involved, right? Yeah. Um, and and so from that perspective, with that value system, that makes sense. Right? Yeah. I, I get it, right? You know, it, maybe not my values, um, but... You know, you know, I, I, but I, I guess if you had to sacrifice, you know your labor, your health, your land, or anything else. And it's like, well, what would you rather sacrifice it for? For the, the future of all your children and your descendants and your community, or for, so, for the nephew of a rich guy so he can have his own spaceship one day? <laughs> it's, I tell you, you know, it's, um, you know it's, it's, it's getting harder and harder to be cheerleading over here for, uh, for the old, <laughs> for the old liberalism, you know, but I, yeah. I kind of just keep feeling like they're two sides of the same coin. Right. Here, here right. and there, because it's the, it's still growth. It's still a growth based yeah. economic system. Yeah. It still has inequality cooked into it. It still has uh, extraction cooked into it. It still has yeah. the death of everything on the planet uh, baked in, you know, right. I don't know. I, I got a hint before that you felt like there might be a, China might be moving towards a, a post-development 
and like skipping all the steps in between and getting to a, a post growth, post development kind of phase. I mean, do you feel like that's somewhere in the 500 year plan? I mean, it right. can't be, it'd have to be in that. It'd have to be in the 50 year plan. Otherwise it's bloody it's, not going to happen. Everything it's will it's be not dead. in the, it's not in the 30 year plan, um, okay. but it, it, it might be beyond that. So 2049 is the date that they have set to make China a fully developed country, right? Where it's kind of on par developmentally, you know, so that, the Chinese people have enough prosperity to be able to live the kind and of And then you just seek a stable, a stable economy, and, stable population, and you're not going to have growth I, I, anymore, or which way? I, I can't, I can't speak for you know for the government mm. here, um, obviously, uh, but it still has the word communist in the title of the way in which they choose to label themselves. Yeah, you know, which essentially means equality for all, right? If we're going to oversimplify it, mm. right? And so. You know, it became clear, and this is where Deng Xiaoping came in, you know, a few decades ago and, and, and brought in the whole, you know, we got to open up and have the market economy and, you know, actually have business because otherwise, you know, we're all going to starve to death. Hmm. Um, and they've seen the value of that. So, oh, yes, that works. Let's build prosperity through business. And hmm. they don't call it capitalism, right? But, you know, hmm. certainly it has capitalist elements to it. Hmm. Um, but that's not seen as the be it end all, right? Mm. As the way it is seen in, I think, like the US is an example, mm. where it's like capitalism, just keep going, right? It's yeah. seen as like, let's grow it to a point where we all have enough. Yeah. And then, then let's, let's stop. Let's so, just, yeah. Well, uh, so calm, it's a pretty innocent word, calm, you know, together, uni, you know, as one, and yeah. ism, um, which means oligarchs. Right. <laughs> Inevitably. <laughs> You know, yeah, there is yeah. a, it, it is, it, it is really tricky. There's a lot of, many a slip, uh, twixt the cup and the lip. Fian, as your granny probably said, in a very different accent. <laughs> so, so, you know, the, the reason that I, you know, the reason that I talk about China so much is because I think that it gets so, so little kind of nuanced perspective when people yeah. talk about it. And, yeah. You know, it's it's no better than any other country. It's you know, it's mm. the values. The system is not like a superior system or anything like that. But it's mm. different. And it's there's a, there's it's a bit not. of nuance. You know, it's right. China and China, <laughs> China. There's people who say China and there's people who say China. And yeah, there's a, a bit of bit of nuance there between those viewpoints. Not much, but it's a little not bit. Much. Yeah. And so, 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 you know, if it continues to grow the way that it has been, you know, even if it's just at a fraction of the speed that it has been growing, um, it's going to continue to transform the planet that we all live on. Mm. And that is something that, you know, we can hide under rocks and we can say, no, bad, we don't want that to happen. But I'm seeing it as very, very likely that China is going to continue to grow and mm. expand and become more powerful and have more influence and mm. be transforming the systems that we have around the world from you know Huawei and the 5G technologies to the fact that over half of Africa's smartphone market is owned by one Chinese company. Yeah. Um, you know, to the fact that you know the, the Chinese technology is speeding ahead of the rest of the world in pretty much everything except for silicon chips. Mm. Um, which is something that they're still a little bit behind on, but probably not for that long. Mm. And so if that is the case and, and, and Chinese thought is built into technology because all technology has within it, the, the, the philosophy of the creator, right? Mm. If that is true and China continues to evolve in that way, then how do we deal with that on a global scale? How do we, how do we deal with a rising China that is, that has very different value system that mm. operates in a very different way, right? Yeah. Because yeah. criticizing it and, you know, throwing sticks at it isn't going to help anyone. It's probably mm. just going to you know, anger it. And so if you want to figure out how to live coherently, harmoniously, you know, in a good way on this planet, um, I'm hearing the door. Give me a second. Mm. So I guess it's, uh, you know, I, I guess we've we've had a fair a fair whack of time now under this kind of uh, hegemonic sort of global regime of every man for himself, the the fittest survive. Um, it's a free market economy. You know, um, 
but not really you know <laughs> we we have a bunch of oligarchs at the top who are sort of rigging the game etc i mean we've had you know a few centuries of that one and um i don't know um what's the so that's it there's a kind of self-terminating algorithm in there you know so what does the algorithm look like for you know, uh, potentially a, a world system that also seeks, you know, hegemony and to spread that idea around the world in order to save it, uh, which, you know, is always everybody's best intention, isn't it? Um, but I guess so there's an algorithm of, you know, collectivism, uh, control, both self-control and, um, you know, state control, um, a recognition of limits, so on nature and etc and it has those good parts baked in but then um i mean what's the what's the glitch what's the self-terminating uh glitch in there that we would need to look out for it seems to me there are a lot of self-terminating glitches i mean that's one of the reasons we talked about game yeah. b right Is well does it demand that... growth does it still demand limitless growth well Growth is something that, you know, if if some people have gotten to a certain stage of growth, other people are likely to want certain forms of that, not maybe mm. in the same way, mm. but there's a certain amount of, you know, if if they have that, then, you know, I also want equal access to that. Yeah. And and that seems to be I, I hear that as a kind of a, a pattern or, or a theme that goes across cultures in different places that I go. It's kind of like. Well, that's not fair that other people have, but I don't. Mm. So that growth, as far as I can see, is likely to continue. But the question is, uh, what, the question I would ask is, how do we make that growth, you know, beyond sustainable into like a regenerative system, right? Mm. Growth, growth in nature is not a bad thing. Trees yeah. grow, you know, mm. animals grow, right? Like yeah. growth is inherently not necessarily something that is destructive. Mm. It's just if well, growth that's is the difference. Run, like, between right. growth and increase yeah. increase is right. one thing and growth is another yeah. yeah yeah so how do we how do we create systems that are regenerative that mm. heal the planet that heal ourselves collectively as human beings as opposed to creating more damage or destruction hmm. well that's the trick isn't it <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh man well I just uh, can't wait for this big coin with both sides to um, stop spinning. I would like to see it stop stop spinning and you know either land on one side or the other or preferably fall off the table completely um, sooner rather than later. So there's something left for us all to uh, pick up the pieces and start the thousand year cleanup. But I tell you, I think um, a lot of the people who are going <laughs> to who are going to be around to do that will will probably be from your part of the world there. There's a lot of humans. There's a lot Realistically. of humans here. Yeah. There are a lot of humans there. Well, brother, I see your families are arrived back and moving around in the background, so I better let you get back into it. I got the same thing happening here. Um, knock off time and kids are getting restless. So um, yeah. <laughs> that was a, that was a really good yarn. Thanks for that. It like just kind of gave me a it gave me a sense of things like, uh, I don't know, not information, but attitude, if that makes any sense. Mm. Attitude is everything. <laughs> it Thanks. was really Thanks, good to, Ted. yeah. I mean, what, what a great surprise yarn out of, out of nowhere. No idea where it was going to go. Um, that was beautiful. And I look forward to having more with you soon. Yeah. Look forward to it. All right, Buzz. Catch you. Thanks. Man. Cheers.